0: Thread Collective. Hi, Diamond Dave.
1: Hey, Mel. Yo. So good to be here. So good to be on the planet. So much happening around the neighborhood, we're going to be talking about and letting people know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Globally. Oh, my goodness. principally right here in the neighborhood. For you folks out there, here we be live in San Francisco.
0: What do you think, what what, what, do you, what do you have in your mind, Dave?
1: What well, I have in mind is what we're going to have, what's happening uh, this weekend is, uh, what's happening this is MAP, the Mission Arts and Performance Project, and I think you may have a, a schedule there, do you? That's all uh, at various venues all day long. And has a strong connection with what it is we do, and will be, and so on. So what did you have any kind of, you have somewhat of a schedule, don't you?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, folks can also go to map, M-A-P-P-S-F dot com. And, uh, and that gives kind of a general overview. But then there's a link on that page to the Facebook event Um I mentioned a few of them on Women's Magazine already, um, but there's even more than is listed. So, um, But the map, next map event is tomorrow, Saturday, December 1st, uh, from 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. at various places around the Mission neighborhood. Um, there's going to be performances at the Red Poppy Art House, uh, Café La Bohème, um, Artillery Gallery, uh, La Casa de los Santidos, which is on which is at twenty six forty nine Folsom. Um, all sorts of stuff going on around the neighborhood. Alley Cat Books is celebrating its seventh anniversary, so they're going to be having a party over there, uh, six to midnight, uh, including an appearance by Archbishop King of Saint John Coltrane Church. So that'll be cool. Uh, The Community Mission, uh, sorry, the Community Music Center on CAP between 20th and 21st. They're going to have dancing going on over there. You can go take a salsa lesson. You can do cha-cha, cumbia, all sorts of stuff. Um, Brava Theater's having things from 8 to 10. And uh, Revolution Cafe uh, from 9 to midnight. So all, all sorts of stuff going on around the mission tomorrow evening. What a smorgasbord.
1: How is the community coming together? And I think our co kind of co, I think my guy is right here, kind of a co host. I'm talking about uh, Bloodflower. I believe he's got, uh, he's doing the show at La Boheme, isn't he? Indeed.
0: Indeed. Yeah. And, um, and Indeed, uh, uh, our friend Aeon gonna... Flo is going to be over there, who's a super funky, trippy bass player, loop station bass player. Um, he's going to be playing at La Bohème. I'm going to be rolling in later to La M to uh, throw down a little poetry after another event that I've already have uh, tickets to. Uh, but Map is is really cool. You know, it's a great thing to do if you're not really familiar with, you know, the the artists uh, in the mission or like the community here in the mission district. Whether maybe you just live in a different part of the city and you like don't come over here much or uh, you don't get to, uh, you know see what's happening Um, or if you have friends who are from out of town and they're visiting a really cool way to expose them to some local culture and you get to uh, you know walk around and experience various music and performances and poetry and stuff Um,
1: and socializing
0: right finding
1: one another Building community, strangers becoming friends, and friends becoming family, and family becoming community, and uh, becoming community on the move. Now this is a movement. This is a movement from the grassroots, Say, hey, Val? Uh, people coming together here in the time of Trump. Hey, we got a guest here, hey, who's this?
2: Hello, Val, hello, Dave. It's, it's Rob. Rob,
1: of course. <laughs> Rob, it's so good to see you. I feel your positive energy. We Oui, what do you have today to share with me? Well, new with us. songs.
2: New songs keep rolling
0: out. Wow. I've
2: That's got uh, a little ukulele kazoo magic for you.
0: That does sound magical.
2: Yes. Here we go. Uh, this first one, um, this is uh, I, I, trying me trying to be Pete Seeger and um, the, when I first wrote the song and I first played it to myself I said this is the worst thing that I have ever written by far. If this were a baby we would do a swift mercy killing. But I kept on working on it trying to make it a little bit lighter. And uh, and I think I found a way. Um, the only thing you need to know about this is it's uh, it's a, it's a uh, song full of abbreviations. And um, private property, the abbreviation would uh, of course be PP. So everything else you can figure out.
1: Well, you got me figure out my mind remember to see Pete Singer alive I'm old enough and connecting and singing along with Pete so here I am still here Take I, it away, brother.
2: when I was young I, I also heard him live it was one of the most amazing days of my life what was that Oh 90 I forget the exact year oh. but in the early 90s at a a a, um, a state park in Pennsylvania there was wow. an outdoor concert it was just beautiful <laughs> Go ahead. So here we go. This is called R.I.P.P.P. Wait, there we go. Okay, now we got the magic kazoo hooked up. (laughs) There's only one way to save the world. RIPPP That's the only way To make everyone everywhere free There's only one way to heal The land and sky and sea There's only one way RIPPP We shout that we're the smartest I don't think that I agree If you went to another planet And saw creatures just like we You'd call them cannibal weeds You'd run away and flee But the world can be saved If we R.I.P.P.P. Living under a blanket, a blanket of barbarity And nobody's guaranteed love or security It makes us selfish and afraid, we act horrifically But that's not who we are, not what we're born to be Under our blanket we just want to play and give a help for free. That's who we are, just a silly sharing monkey. But we're running out of time to redeem humanity. We're running out of time to R.I.P.P.P. Tell the hoarders that it's over They have no validity We don't need a revolution The change will come instantly When we all decide as one This nightmare comes undone Relief and joy will ring When we R.I.P.P.P. down with OPP right, or just P on P-P. P P a P a on P-P. Everybody P on P-P. P on, P-P. P on P-P.
3: Wow. Yeah, baby, <laughs> here
1: we are. What a great beginning. Uh, oh, you got thank, money. You.
2: thank you. Um, and here we go. This one is um a little bit uh sadder but also hopeful. Um, this is this Never. is called Cover Girl. <laughs> I was walking by a bar. She was on the curb alone. Her high heels were shattered. Oops, Well, um, let me start over there. I did it, I started in the wrong key. All right, take two, here we go. I was walking by a bar. She was on the curb alone. Her high heels were shattered, and so was her smartphone. Oh, no. Her push-up bra was shredded, her makeup thrown away. I offered to call a ride. I said, are you okay? She didn't turn her head Just stared off into space She told me to sit down Shut my fucking face She said I've no more pride Nowhere left to hide My dreams are done and gone That circus moved right on I'm not a cover girl I tried to run that race I'm not a cover girl shoot her in the face I got stretches I got scars look here a gray hair am I drooping I can't tell I don't fucking care don't ever tell a woman that she's the one forever that's what we taught men to say we thought we were so clever don't give me a pity, don't patronize me, I'm through with the games, it's time to fuck like a banshee. I'm not a cover girl, we let ourselves be erased. I'm not a cover girl, she's a fucking disgrace. Take me home, she said, and make me feel alive. Hold me tonight to survive take me home and love me you're the last man i'll need tomorrow i'll go gay tonight we plant a seed i'm not a cover girl that's just a hiding place i'm not a cover girl she left the human race I gave her what she asked for, I wanted to give more. She told me I was hopeless, another selfish male bore. I said I wanted to learn, join in her crusade. She said make my life a dedication to the eradication of the sex trade. She's not a cover girl, she's a woman, hear her scream. She's not a cover girl, but she's uncovering a better dream.
1: dream. (laughs) What is an amazing song? (laughs) (laughs) You roll out, you're amazing dude. You, you,
0: one more. One more. All right. What I, do you think, Val? I, that was some kind of dream. <coughs> I got I'm you. not really sure who's the cover girl, you or her.
2: Well, she is. Okay. She's, that's what she was saying that whole time to, yeah, this, just, uh, to this man who was trying to be helpful. She was, yeah, it was her saying, I'm tired of all this bullshit.
0: And laying it out. Oh, okay.
1: Oh, I understand I I saw you there, and I saw the conversation there. I thought it was very well done. Thank you, Dave. Give us another. You're an amazing human being,
2: Bob. One more for the scientists in the house. Um, This is called Going Ape. There are 260 monkeys, but only six apes. Apes have many sizes and colors and shapes. Apes have great shoulders from swinging in a tree. So let's go meet the rest of our ape family. If you're overly impressed with the human race, chimps love turtles and they beat us into space. They also love sunsets and houses and trees. How do you feel about the chimpanzees? Gorillas sometimes, sometimes go gay. They have gargantuan girth. Indubitably the primary badass vegetarians here on Earth. How do you feel about gorillas? Orangutangs eat dirt and the dead beat dads, but they don't kill babies, so uh, that's pretty rad. How do you feel about orangutangs? We're going ape. We're going ape. Let's hear some happy apes. We're going ape. We're going ape. Let's be some happy apes. Gibbons live alone in pairs, one bull and one cow. Yet still those gibbons, they fuck around. We have no idea how. How do you feel about gibbons? And sexiest of all are the happy bonobos. They French kiss and fuck nose to nose. Bonobos are lovers, not fighting fools. Because bonobo females make all of the rules. How do you feel about bonobos? And last but not least, this naked ape. Eager to exploit and ready to rape. Our primary behavioral distinction driving all life to extinction. How do you feel about humans? That's what I thought. We're going ape. We're going ape. Let's hear some happy apes. We're going ape. We're going ape. ape. Let's be some happy apes. We're going ape, we're going ape. We're going ape, we're going ape. We're going ape, we're going ape, we're going ape. We're going ape. ha ha! Ha ha ha. <laughs> we're going
4: ape.
1: Wow, <laughs> that's quite a quite a put together. <laughs> hey Val, well, we're going ape. So, so what you get a sentence in your mind and the rest flows out.
2: Yeah, 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 I'm always reading, I read a lot of science, so, uh, so yes, yes, that and was... And the
1: book why don't you do one more, we don't have too much happening, I don't know what happened, but I'd love to hear one more.
2: Let me find and, uh, another and, uh, new and, uh, one, we here we music. go.
1: We can't play music, eh? Mm-hmm. Can we play music? What? Can we play music? Uh,
0: I've got,
1: I've got music to play. Okay, why don't you send some... There's no requests. Yeah, okay, what's your request? we we'll all quest together. Please go do one more song and then we'll play some music. How's that? Sounds great.
2: I'm trying to remember. Did I do uh, Black Bart the Poet the last time I was here?
1: I don't remember. A song either.
2: about the California outlaw Black Bart.
1: It doesn't ring a bell. I don't think well, so. Well, then
2: I'd better play it. Okay. Here we go. And I was. I, uh, music. I was chagrined to discover a few weeks ago that I had never heard of California's most famous outlaw, Black Bart. Black Bart. And I, and mind you, when I'm writing stories and songs, I try to avoid um, male heroes because they've they've had enough already. Enough uh, already. True enough. But when I read the details of Bart's life, it was just too irresistible. So here we go, this is Black Bart the Poet. Bart went off to the gold rush in 1849, But his brothers both died, and empty was the mine. He said, chasing gold's for fools, I'm done playing by the rules. He's Black Bart the Bandit, he'll take that precious cargo. He's Black Bart the Poet, and he's coming for you. Wells Fargo. Oh, Wells Fargo. Bart shacked up and had four kids in six years, but parenthood left him aching, aching and in tears. He said, marriage is for fools. I'm done playing by the rules. He's Black Bart the Bandit. He'll look you in the eye and dare you. He's Black Bart the Poet. And he's coming for you, Bank of America. Bart went off to fight the Confederacy, he burned Atlanta and got shot near Mortalee. He said, killing is for fools, I'm done playing by the rules. He's Black Bart the poet, he'll put you in your place. He's Black Bart the bandit, and he's coming for you, Chase. He went to California and started robbing stages, and just like that, he was an outlaw for the ages. He went after bank money, because they treated him like spit. He hated banks, they got rich for doing shit. He didn't have a horse, he never fired his gun. He didn't have a gang, he trusted no one. He never ever swore, he was genteel and polite. And he always left a poem, as he walked off into the night. And this is an actual BART poem. I've labored long and hard for bread, for honor and for riches. But on my corns too long you've tread, you fine-haired sons of bitches. Wells Fargo finally got him and tossed him right in jail. And nobody knows if that was the end of his tale. He disappeared when freed from incarceration infernal. Maybe he went to Frisco to start a poetry journal. He's Black Bart the Bandit. His work is not yet done. He's Black Bart the Poet. And he's coming for you, Capital One.
0: Wow, <laughs> that was that, amazing. was that was a great one. I like that one a lot. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
2: Wee. <laughs>
0: right on, Rob. So, what where, where have you been playing lately? And where where, where you got any plans coming up? I,
2: I do. Um, I had probably the most amazing performance of my my young music career um, at uh, Nomadic Press. Uh, they asked me out there to be the uh, the musical performer, and wow. so it was. A, they gave me ten minutes at the start of the show and ten minutes at the end. And uh, and I'm still I'm still pretty new to my instruments, so you know there are plenty of times when you know I'm still a little clumsy, a little butterfingery. But that show just it went perfectly. My my playing was perfect, and the the energy was so so beautiful um, and uh, the, the biggest show of my my fledgling music career is coming up in January uh, I just got asked to be the featured performer at uh, the Hotel Utah wow so Monday January 14th I, and I've never played longer than 10 minutes in my life and and at this point I have about 40 songs but this will be the first time that I I'm doing an entire half hour of songs and I am very very excited wow
0: well that's delightful cool Right on, Rob. That is amazing.
2: Yeah, and uh, next time that I'm here, I I know what I'll play. I may have played it once, but it's been getting such. A, it's uh, the song that got me the gig at Nomadic, uh, which is uh, "Kill the Blues." Uh, so next time I'm here, I will. I think I may have played it once, but that was back when I just dramatic. learned it. It's a little more refined now with a, with a kazoo solo.
0: <laughs> Gotta love a kazoo solo. <laughs> Well, amazing. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, we thanks, think Rob. We won't be doing a show That's next week. Let's let everybody know. But the week after, is that right, Mabel? That's right. So today is the 30th of November. Our next two shows will be on the 14th and the 21st of December. And those will be our last two shows of 2018. So no show next be Friday. Please, Save please. those
2: dates one more time.
0: December 14th and December 21st. So Beautiful. folks are welcome to come out here. We'll be doing the shows here at Mutiny Radio. Those two middle Fridays of December. Beautiful. Come on through. I'll be here. Hell yeah. Right on. Well, here's some music from our friends, Copus.
5: Tomorrow is yet to come. May we be free of her change. The only. True way to penetrate our target Is to set a true aim. For yesterday is gone Tomorrow is yet to come And only now remains To move on To be strong To return from whence we came Noble are these in wisdom and in truth Yet here we are now the same Yes, here we are now as living proof From which our freedom is gained For yesterday is gone Well, and tomorrow is yet to come And only now an remains I'm certain you will all agree That it is sometimes very strange The times we'd have it all laid on at once for our eyes to see it clearly and with no pain And then there are the times We all play the role of the dunce Who instinctively refrains From the classroom of yesterday Yes, and the storehouse of tomorrow To grasp that in which is contained All that remains flying, this other stuff you've never done, for dancing, prancing, all the while, and with your smile, and without even trying, you are the most beautiful one, your face graces every page of the ages, your beauty laces the world's stages, your laughter cannot be traced. Here to share with the whole world your glare and I pray in doing so that you don't scare the living hell out of them. It's at your slightest whim I'll be there to smother myself beneath your hair in love sweet embrace and I don't dare complain. Yes and all of your children they love you dearly, for you are the one clearly Who first gave to them love sincerely And the glow behind their eyes and Now that this I realize Your manner I idolize Your lessons in love still applies To all concerned Something else I've just learned about you That is you're shy And though you may even tell a lie You never gave me a reason to doubt you your love's fire wars but it doesn't burn unless to you I do harm and away from you I turn which doesn't mean that I didn't learn or that I no longer yearn to be your magic boy whilst all others have not I have not some between In a box, Halfs have they have nots by the cross, have they have nots in a headlock, Halfs have they have nots in a blood clot, Halfs have they have nots doing everything about what they ought so that they may have all whilst all others have not. Now there is one more thing that I must interject here as I nearly forgot. The have-nots have that which for centuries, the haves, have sought. Now this would be strength. It's greater than strength itself. Beauty which cannot be duplicated nor destroyed. And the will to endure even unto the
6: very... End. I have not done it.
5: Seems our bodies have done its work quite well without a scratch on our bodies we're gonna bid them farewell starfish and giant plumes greet us with a smile oh, but before our heads go under we take our last look at the killing noise that's out of style.
0: back. Here we are on the Common Thread Collective here at Mutiny Radio.fm in the Mission District. It's Friday, November 30th. It's the last uh, day of November. And we're talking about Mission Arts and Performance Project. And who better to come and give us the details uh, about some of this on- goings-on than our very own library lady, and Allison I'm B. The, welcome and I'm back.
1: I met st- her in the streets uh, last week. And I said, where have you been? Why don't you come down? Is that right?
7: Yes, we ran into each other right near the library. Just by chance? Not too likely. just when the rain stopped and I saw Dave and I asked him if there was a show. And he said, yes. So here I am. And I'm glad that you guys are going twice a month because some of us can't get it together. If it was once a month, no, but twice a month. We can do it. Well, you're we here can now. do this, and we're, a lot of people are really happy that you guys are here.
1: Wow! And <laughs> so. I'm happy to be here. So it's a mutual happiness. And Allison, why don't you give us a rundown of what it is uh, you've, uh, where we are so far, as far as maps concerned. Things may be added. I you can think, find out on the website, maybe. But here it is.
7: I think things may be added. Let's you know, let's start with the website www.mappsf.com, map, mappsf.com also known as Mission Arts and Performance Project which is now celebrating its 15th year wow. so if you feel old i do you are old i am <laughs> because it happens every day So, uh, older. The years, and now 15 years. So hard to believe.
1: And I'd be
0: 81, so hard to believe.
7: That's so wonderful, Dave.
0: Yeah, I remember going to it almost 15 years ago, maybe 14 years ago. Um, it was really cool. The red Poppy art house was still like the main like hub of it where you'd go and actually pick up your paper map that like the one you have in front of you right now, yeah, um, and that they're gonna be hosting some events tomorrow as well
7: absolutely uh, but, um red poppy could OG be map. where it all started, and
1: okay. what well, it started with David Coburn and Jorge Molina who put it together, and they'll be there involved, and uh, it ends up at its place, in fact. Well, tell us a bit what's happening. Start with the Red Poppy.
7: Okay, well, Red Poppy is starting at 7 with someone who um, is widely known, even through Litquake. Adrian Arias is starting off at 7.05 at Red Poppy Art House, and they're going through till 10-ish, and um, with music, um, I feel like there's some literary event and vocal and body percussionist dancing, a soundscape with someone named Mark Deutsch. <laughs> it's spelled like the word Deutsch, so that's yeah. how I'm saying it. Soundscape of solo Bazantar. Um, there's piano with someone playing uh, tangos by Piazzolla. Piano duet with cello and piano. Oh my goodness,
4: And um,
7: Okay, so Red Poppy Art House is going to be 3D. It's not just art on the wall, it's moving and sound together.
1: With some vocals,
7: that's right. So I think that would be a great place for people to start off. there are also a couple of venues I haven't heard of before, including a place called Zita Wine Bar, 24th near Florida. Um, Pathos on Harrison is another great place to end your evening. They're starting at 830 with David and Jorge um, also, just to break in, David Kubrin is a great resource for um, anything having to do with MAP, unless you run into one of the other main organizers, Todd Brown. I um, I spotted him at Red Poppy sometime this year. Um, he can be spotted at any of these venues at any time. He also is on Facebook, and um, it's my understanding he was um, one of the main Um, founders at Red Poppy and maybe one of the founders of Red Poppy itself but you'd have to ask Todd anyway Um, so going on, Pathos La Casa de los Sentidos is great if people like to be indoors and outdoors together Um, Alley Cat Books is celebrating its 7 year anniversary they've got music, poetry um And at 10 o'clock, the Archbishop King of St. John Coltrane Church, which, um, while well, you have to admire that they're going late, they've got live music, and um, St. John Coltrane Church, I listen to them a lot on Tuesdays, I have to do a plug, KPOO, Tuesday afternoons, um, St. John Coltrane musical hour, but it actually stretches into hours, and educational and soothing oh, together.
1: about the Coltrane Church? They used to be that at storefront, on the Visadero, uh, on the Visadero, and they would be feeding the people the, uh, the beans and rice, whatever, the Coltrane Church, and they they had they had a lot of speakers and the the word the songs the say of John Coltrane they call him the Saint John Coltrane um, so they've been doing this for years and that's the Reverend uh, the Bishop uh, Bishop uh, uh, Bishop Milo he's uh, self proclaimed and really has kept us together go ahead tell us more tell us what's happening at uh, what's happening at uh, uh, Give us some more.
7: Okay, yeah, there's stuff happening everywhere. The quick rundown on the printed schedule would be top to bottom Pathos, La Casa de los Sentidos, Alley Cat, Red Poppy Art House, Community Music Center, which has been a participant off and on for many years, um, Artillery Art Gallery, but there again, it will be 3D, lots of music. Um, Zita Wine Bar, Brava Theater.
4: Brava, yes. Now, so Brava Theater is
7: one of the main hosts of the, okay, you guys, here's my Spanglish, Encuentro del Canto Popular, another very popular, well-known, well-organized, and long-running event here in san francisco i feel like that event has been going 15 or 20 years maybe more it um so brava theater i feel like is the main host they've got some very well-known musicians coming including john santos Um, I feel like people might want to go to the Brava Theater website for more information on that. And then Revolution Cafe, which has free music every night, they are hosting West Side Jazz Saturday night. There's also an event called They Asked Me Not to Record Their Face. That is at Café La Boheme tomorrow night as well. Okay, that's only part of the um part of the announcement there. But anyway, it's hosted by a poet performer named Bloodflower. I feel like it's starting at 6 and will yeah, go till the that, end.
0: I think they go 6 till 9. 6 till 9. Yeah. And we love Laf- Cafe La Bohème. It's yeah, a cool spot, so. but it's also a, a family family business. So um, I know they, they work really hard and they're taking care of everybody who comes in. So many memories. What are, you, what are some of your memories of Café La Boheme, oh, Dave? Many events. Many of the poets we've,
1: uh, we've had, last rights for people, less, but less memories for people when they've gone. John Ross, uh, for instance, an important member of a collection of the Sabatistas. Uh, but many events, of, uh, the Poets of the Mission, There at uh, at, uh, La Boheme, right there on 24th Street.
7: That's right. Um, Sometimes at night, we'd open the windows at the library and we would hear music or drumming or poetry emanating from La Boheme. They've hosted many, many events over the years. And one great thing about it is all are welcome. If you come there and you want to... Even just host a small group of poets. There, everyone welcome, and um, a long-running business and super family-friendly
1: um, atmosphere. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. And
7: open every day.
1: Is there anything for the secret, uh, uh, the, the the secret garden?
7: I didn't see them listed. How,
1: uh, and um, how about our host band display the former Chio Cambio, now called Cambiat? Do you see them?
7: No, and that is because I think some people are hosting, and some people are um, performing. Performing, and oh, I'm sure performing. so what you'll want to do, everybody, go to mapsf.com Or the Facebook group, which is called MAP Mission Arts Performance Project. Chances are your mutual friends are already following it. Everyone that I have run into performing at MAP has a mutual friend who's maybe been performing for years and years. It's all people connect up there, and people run into old friends. In the family. Yeah. And, And so some of the mainstays that I mentioned would be La Casa de los Sentidos, which is also celebrating 15 years, Pathos, um, Community Music Center, Red Poppy Art House, and Revolution Cafe has been hosting free musical events for a long time here in the Mission, and I have run into some of the most amazing musicians there. The reason I'm giving them a plug is because it's free, it's open every day, And um, they also Mm -hmm. welcome young people to come and perform as well. And And they they have a real piano.
1: It's like my living room. It's a a cafe that can be like a living room where you can come, get your coffee, and just hang out as long as you'd like, talking to people, writing that uh, book, whatever it is you do, the Revolution Cafe is open to you. That's, That's tremendous. So we're doing really well. And of course... Allison, library lady. Also, that's Saturday, and on Sunday is the Herald's and Jim Book Fair. I think you know about that.
7: I, I know a little bit about it. Um, I might have to pause and look it up, but we did get posters for it. I feel like maybe they're in their fifth year. This year it will be at Mission Campus City College, 22nd and Valencia. It starts in the morning. Um, I feel like it's running 10 to 6. All day. Some very well-known neighborhood people, city people, and Bay Area people will be showing up there, and including our city poet laureate, Kim Shuck. I feel like I saw her name on the event but um, well, I can't make right. any promises they to are, go to the website.
0: Yeah, they are having um, a Poets Cafe that's being hosted by Tongo Ice and Martin as part of the Book Fair. Um, so that's going to be going on all day, and I, Kim Shuck may be part of that I mean, particular thing. Um, so, yeah, howardsinbookfair.com. That's Howard, H-O-W-A-R-D, Zin, Z-I-N-N, book Fair. Fair dot com, Howard's In Book dot com. Um, it is an annual celebration of people's history, past, present, and future. Um, so this is you were right, the fifth annual Howard's In Book Fair, um, and this year's theme is fighting for the air we breathe. Wow, appropriate. Pretty so, sure.
7: and thank you that we have clean air even today after all that rain. Oh. And all that fire, oh. and all that drought.
0: Oh, boy. Right, so beautiful. We, we need the rain. Rain, I, rain. I was, uh, I was driving through the Sierras, the first weekend of this month, so <clears throat> about just about thirty days ago, and um, you know I, I've driven through the Sierras, um, you know, kind of towards. Uh, the Tahoe-Reno area, you know, straight through on 80. Um, Yeah, I've driven through there, I can't even count how many times in my life. And usually, even in the summertime, there's usually a little bit of snow up in the highest parts, you know, and you're driving through in the summer and you're like, oh, look, there's still some snow up there.
7: Glaciers. And they had... Glaciers.
0: Uh, this past time, first weekend of November, which I was kind of worried that it would be snowy, and I'm a total like West Coast California wimp, and I'm like, if I'm, there's snow, I'm not driving. Um, but uh, there was not a speck of snow. Wow, global warming. It, I mean, and you're driving when you're driving up there. The peak that you're that the road is at is about seven thousand feet, but. The peaks around you are much higher, so in the distance, and so those usually have just a little bit of a little bit of snow, like the glaciers you're talking about. This time, I saw absolutely not a speck of snow, wow. and it was really disturbing. Well, why but now we've got some rain coming, we've got snow in the Sierras, uh, we've got rain putting out the wildfires, uh, we've got uh, rain coming to clear out the air, um, man, we're, geez. Indeed,
1: we're doing well for now, yeah. thanks to the environment, thanks to the world around us. Thank you, Mother It'll, Nature. Thank you, to Mother Nature, the goddess for sure.
0: Now, there is him. Oh, Yeah. Back to Howard's in Book Fair. So it's organized by an all-volunteer uh, coordinating committee. Um, they, If you can donate $5, that's great, but no one's turned away for lack of funds. I hope uh, basically, they we gather together authors, zine, zinesters, bloggers, and publishers for a day of readings, panel discussions, and workshops exploring the value of dissident histories uh, towards building a better future. And I mean, the spirit... That-
1: Paneled hmm? panel, uh, panel, uh, panel uh, discussions all day long. Yeah. Um, sometimes two or three going at the same time in different rooms around the uh, the the Michigan branch uh, city college. That's right. So, come, you, there'll be interesting stuff to happen, where we go from here kind of thing, how we do it kind of thing, all of that is going to be going on all day long, and a vast series of panel discussions, so that's part and parts of it, plus there's many tables, and each table is a radical book publisher, or an organization, group, come, on, come together, find one another, it's going to be beautiful, I'm, I plan to be there, I'm devoting my day to it as I do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the spirit of the late historian Howard Zinn, we recognize the stories of the ways that everyday people have risen to propose a world beyond empires big and small. There you go. Howard Zinn, the Howard Zinn Book Fair is a non-sectarian left event that welcomes a wide variety of political traditions and left traditions. That's, that's, that's straight from the horse's mouth there. Wow. And that's James
1: Tracy? Was the guy who first had the idea, put it out, and began to do it, and, there was, and here we are. So thanks, James Tracy, for all that you do.
0: Right on. Okay. Count me in. Count us in. Here's some music for you. Perfect. Music poetry.
5: Basic idea presented here, may penetrate. The hand which gives is the hand which takes. In the case of the karmic case, pattern of the lower plane, may we subjugate. Pattern of the lower plane, we can't tolerate. Gun in the face of the human race, case of the karmic case. Son in the face of the human race. In the Later than what could come from only pen and ink. Those of us tripping in Trip City, walking a crooked path straighter than you think. Only two things to be said here it's later than you think, later than you think. As we busy ourselves, elevating our imaginations about ourselves, as we thirst for another drink, doing the impossible with nothing straighter than you think. While in the city, oh, what a pity. It's later than you think. Later than you think. Now I realize that the sunsets can be lonesome sometimes as we ponder the missing link. The dark clouds hang low as the archer aims his bow straighter than you think. Mother St. Mary, pray for us. We call ourselves the Trip City Gang. Please excuse my slang. Later than you think, later than you think Now giddy up, ride them, cowboy Lest you're thrown hard upon your stick, It's so nice to know that you're a friend of mine To toss a rope when I begin to sing. That you may know, for you I'll do the same Life's straighter than you think That you may know, I told you so It's later than you think, later than you think Still in time will come a sign that must be apprehended without a blink lest we find ourselves tripping over that which is straighter than you think to find ourselves tripping over a timepiece whose face indicates it's later than you think later than you think of it is your world and you wear it so very well though I can't ever recall having seen you look as well as you do in fake print. You know, like the tides, the fashions, they come and go straighter than you think. It's like this, I'm sure you'll all agree that what once was above now resides upon the bottom of the sea. Where it's later than you think, later than you think. Than you think I'm so glad I met you Oh, uh, you betcha You can count on me I'll never think I could never be poor Having known you Straighter than you think Therefore I bequeath to you My only wealth It's a copy of my poem Though made in only Carbon and zinc I want you to hang it somewhere between the judge and the half angel. I want you to hang it over your kitchen sink, as I bid you good day, Albert, never goodbye. Cause it's later than you think, later than you think. Conveyed here is far greater than what could come from only pen and ink. Those of us tripping in Trip City, good old USMA, walking her crooked path straighter than you think. Well, there's only one thing that remains to be said here it's Lady than you think.
0: Copus has taken kindness to the world. That's awesome. You should definitely. Uh, we love Royal Kent, his words, and his crew, Copus, uh, including Wendy Loomis, who's an amazing pianist, um, Monica Williams, Patrick Mahon, and Greg McRae. Uh, that is Copus, creation of peace under stars. So. Um, Happy to be featuring their music today. Um, But a a couple other things to announce coming up next Friday, December 7th. Again, we won't be doing a live show here um, for the Common Thread or Women's Magazine that week. So I wanted to announce two shows that are happening on Friday, December 7th. Um, Gwynevere Q is hosting... um, uh, a badass uh, event at the Independent. It's called "It's a Woman's World" benefit for women. Crush music. Uh, so that's at the Independent, Friday, December seventh, starting at 7 p.m. Featuring Pamela Parker, Sit Kitty Sit, The Wyatt Act, Melissa Jones, and No Lovely Thing, The Onyx, Amy Unauthorized, and Julie and Delicato. Um, so that's going to be an amazing show, uh, hosted by Winifred Q. Yes, her historical indeed, Dave. I think I'll be there. But also that same night, uh, if you know, if you didn't have enough uh, cool things to do, um, is also at the Lost Church on Friday, December 7th, um, is the Queer Folk Punk Show featuring Shauna Virago, Maya Byrne, and Ryan Casada. So uh, three of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ryan,
1: our friend Ryan. I got a email, a text from him saying I'm back. Yeah. With a happy birthday. Oh,
0: nice. I wish Ryan was here. I know. Well, he'll be in town next Friday um, for this show at the Lost Church. Um, three of the most acclaimed transgender singer-songwriters will were shell- were share the stage oh for an goodness. evening of Super Songcraft. Wow. So that's going to be next Friday as well. Lost Church doors open at 7.30. Uh, tickets are 10 to 15. And uh, that's going to be an amazing show as well. So many good things to be a part of. Well, I mean, uh, so we're staggering. lucky to be a part of. what It's staggering. And Val, I don't life. know
7: if you have a list of people that are performing live at the Howards and Book Fair, but I do have a funny story about the book that kind of came to my purview because I was taking a history class way back when as an undergrad, and it was um, a history major. I think she was a history major. She was my roommate at the time, and she said have you seen this book and she showed me a galley copy she said i have a galley and i said oh that's interesting how do you have that oh well um, my parents run cody's bookstore (laughs) in berkeley (laughs) and then i started thumbing through the book i couldn't put it down Um, Okay, Martha Cody, End ended up keeping that galley, (laughs) but Uh, what an amazing book. And And for that, I will never forget you or Cody's Bookstore or Howard Zinn, because after the book became more and more famous, Howard Zinn put together people reading the book Out Loud, I think we might still have CD copies of that event at the library. Cool. Or you can find it online also. And then the other part of it is that Howard Zinn got his start. There's a great movie about his life. You can't be neutral on a moving train. Mm. Wow. I don't know where he got that phrase, but he may have gotten that phrase when he was down in the South, working with the Civil Rights Movement, and recording people's histories. Mm. So he told he told that story. I first heard it on the radio, but he told that story because that's how he got his start, was listening to people tell their stories. And then People's History of the United States came out of that, and it's um, stories from documents from the Spanish arriving in the Caribbean, to, um, you know, people's oral histories and then um, the Constitution woven in there. It is a true story, the people's history of the United States, and um, he lives on. But um, Martha Cody, you live on, too, because that galley was so mind-blowing that I think I got more out of it when I was 30 than when I was 20. Oh,
1: wow, that's um, it was. That's just true. an
7: amazing book. And that bookstore really lives on in many people's hearts, too. So um, Howard Zinn Book Fair, you never know who you're going to run into there. Um, book People historians, poets, um, musicians, and um, all around rabble-rousers. Fellow
1: human beings. Yeah. So so I'll see you there. I'll be there early because I have have an interest in having an interest. And so Val, thanks for coming down. I'll see you in a couple weeks. And let's take people out with a good song.
0: Well, actually, I just uh, just, uh, put in a CD here of Howard Zinn. Um, I mean appropriately so uh, Mutiny Radio has a copy that I play from time to time it's Howard Zinn uh, Artists in a Time of War Um, so it's a lecture series and it's just like a few minutes for each uh, part and they're all from live events um, that he was a part of and was speaking at Um, I got to see Howard Zinn in Berkeley probably about 10 years ago um, and it was also one of those readings of people read the people's history of the United States um, I think Alice, Alice Walker was one of the readers I, I kind of forget who, who all the presenters were but here's my funny story about it because I was so excited to go to this event right and I had someone who, who was going to go with me so I had to two tickets right got on BART went to Berkeley walked over it was like Berkeley High School you know their big auditorium there get over there and there was nobody there. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, well, this is the spot. Yeah, I, I looked it up. This is where it's supposed to be. Like, I don't know why anybody's staying here. Well, I had been so excited about that we went like two weeks early. Two weeks early, <laughs> Not a day early. I don't. I don't have any idea how I got those dates mixed up, but you know it was like we're going to howard's oh well <laughs> yeah. we're going it's to it's something about the,
7: him and the book yeah. together because i've heard him read i've heard excerpts of his lectures on the radio but then we got to see him many many years ago i think it you know um i was at a bookstore in berkeley i don't remember which one but um, unfortunately, it wasn't Cody's. But um, it, you know, he was so friendly. Nobody wanted to leave. People yeah. just, he answered all the questions and then he ran into people he knew and then he was telling stories and he had, he has an amazing voice. And that is where he really lives on. His, when you hear his voice, it makes you want to go and read his book. And then you hear him reading it to you after a while.
0: Yeah. Um, I I have a Howard Zinn kind of, well, you have a bookstore story. I have a publisher story. So I was, you and I have something in common, um, Allison. You and I both went to UC Santa Barbara as undergrads. And um, my final semester, I ended up spending in Paris. And so... I was studying in Paris. And uh, it it was what we we refer to in the study abroad industry as an island program. So basically it was a a University of California program um, at a study center. And then uh, it it wasn't one of the local universities, but basically local um, professors were hired to teach the classes. But we had this one seminar class. That was hosted by Andre Schifrin, and she, Allison's a gasp because she's a librarian and knows who I'm talking about. Um, Andre Schifrin is the uh, was um, the publisher um, who started the New Press in New York. Um, so he's he's published people like Noam Chomsky, Howard Zinn, and it was during that seminar. Where we looked at kind of the history of the media from in France and the U.S. from World War II to the present day, and that. I think I would have loved that class. You would have loved that class, and that's where I was introduced to the People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn, and I still have a copy of that book um, from that class. Uh, I just came across it the other day. It's it's usually nearby, Um, so um, so we. I spent a semester, you know sitting and, and chatting with André Schifrin, um, and it was really a, a kind of a life-changing class to have taken. Um, so, without further ado.
7: Okay, that's amazing, it, um, and that you got to study in Paris, because going to France helped me understand, even though I only took one history class, When I was there, it was the history of the period between the two wars. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah.
7: And wow. That's
0: an intense time of, of French history.
7: And you actually come home from France understanding the U.S. a lot better. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right? Well, traveling does that, right? You take yourself out of what you think you know, and immerse yourself in some in, in new places and learn things and uh, gain, gain perspective. Um, I have, sometimes I wake up from a dream, and I want to write something down, you know, like, but occasionally, there'll be like some, some little message that comes through. And one of the things that came through not too terribly long ago, was Travel against tyranny. Wow. Break down the walls. Get rid of the borders.
1: Get rid of the family. Break of the, fam- break borders the too. Open the doors. Get rid of the borders too. Bands, friends, family, community, I believe in that. But borders just a line on their map. And I say learn to love. Love to learn. This never ends. Never ending. So that's how I see it. That's what keeps me going at 81, connecting to you folks out there and uh, from the heart and the mind and the spirit. And you keep doing what you're doing. The struggle continues.
0: Peace.
8: We've had lots of experience leaving the And now Howard Zinn, artist in a time of war. doesn't know he's a citizen. He thinks he's only a doctor or a lawyer or a historian or an artist or whatever. But back in the eighteenth century Rousseau said, you know, I see all sorts of people who are doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that, but where are the citizens among us? You know, everybody, everybody must be involved. There are no experts. Well there are I remember during the Vietnam War I keep going back because that's, you know, there are certain historical moments when learning is more intense than at any other period. I mean, this is one of those moments too, right now, after September 11th, but Vietnam was one of those moments when learning is compressed uh, into a short span of time and place. And one of the things we learned about during those years was about experts and about when the war started and people would ask questions, why are we there? Said, well, listen to the experts. The experts would get on television and tell us why we're there. And I remember the British actor an artist, right? Actors are artists. The British actor Peter Ustinov spoke out against the war in Vietnam. And then somebody said, Ustinov, he's an actor. (laughs) He's not an expert. And Ustinov replied, there are experts in little things, but there are no experts in big things. They're experts in this fact and that fact and that fact, but there are no moral experts. It's important to remember that, that all of us, whatever we do, have the right to make moral decisions about the world and undeterred by the cries that will come up, oh, you, you don't know, you're not an expert. These people up there, they know. Well, it takes only a little bit of history to realize how dangerous it is to think that the people who run the country know what they're doing. So the word transcendent comes to mind when I think of the role of the artist in dealing with the issues of the day. And and I use the word transcendent to suggest that the role of the artist is to transcend the given wisdom to transcend uh, the word of the establishment,
0: to transcend the orthodoxy to transcend, to transcend the word of the establishment Howard Zinn. brilliant um that's what we do here at mutiny radio on the common thread collective i think we transcend the word of the establishment um artists in a time of war what war there's no declaration of war ha ha jokes on too many people uh here we are we're well, in the
1: studio i have a line along. transcending all past categories we welcome all cool folk here on the cutting edge. So that's us, too.
0: All right. So just when you thought it was all over, <laughs> it's not. And we're back with some lost tracks, which will not actually be lost. Um, but we've got our friend DJ Rubble here from Berkeley Liberation Radio. And, uh, our, of course, our friend E.K. Keith, poetess extraordinaire. So welcome back, every, both of you. Thanks, Val.
3: All right. Thanks.
0: So, DJ Robo, what you got, what you got in, in your docket there?
3: Yes. Um, well, we've talked about Berkeley Liberation Radio struggling on with what it is and what it does and all that kind of thing, you know, grassroots media without money, and you do what you do in an activist way. And there's a um, long-time um, newsletter magazine from Berkeley called Slingshot, it's an anarchist-oriented publication. It's been going on for 20 or 30 years. And amazingly, until recently, they're able to do it on a surplus on a budget out of a long-haul info shop. Now they're struggling a little bit, trying to retool, but they're still out there putting out free papers a number of times a year. So I just wanted to pitch this because it's... Purely from an anarchist perspective. And a lot of articles are solicited from a lot of people. But what's really valuable about it is it's been distributed to years to people in prisons. Oh, wow. Who read and also write articles. And um, there's a lot of you know a lot of activists around that, the same as Berkeley Liberation Radio. It's different than somebody who's a professional researcher writing a hard hitting article because that's his profession, and that it is with people that are living their lives and doing things in an organization that's putting their money and effort towards those things. So I wanted to say it's still out there. And you can look around in Oakland. You can look around in San Francisco. You might find them sitting in places where you pick up a free paper. It's slingshot, one word. It's also online, so there's ways you could look it up online and find ways to order it. But it's one of those unique papers that there's not as many of them out there, but it's still out there working, so I just wanted to pitch that.
1: Come, people come through to do their shows and so on?
3: Definitely. But, these two can These two can stay here.
1: Okay, thank you. Hey, thank you. Bravo. Uh, Thanks hi. for coming through. That's super. Whatever you cool. have. Here. Now, here's E.K. Now, E.K. Hey, Dave. Hey, E.K. He, he, hey, Val, E.K. The three of us are here again. And when I think, see the three of us together, I think of Poems Under the Dome. And that's going to go. April, up.
9: It's coming up. It's uh, going to be... April 18th, 2019. So, you know, mark your calendars. Mark your poetry calendars. It's going to be fun, as it always is. Always. It's 14th annual. Yeah, it'll be oh, the, my our goodness. 14th time, Dave. It's going to be amazing. Since
1: I had that vision. On Alamo Park, looking down and seeing the City Hall. And then the spirit spoke to me. That's fifteen years ago, I guess, and said, That's a great place for an open mic. And I looked, I said, it is. And I said, wait a minute, I think it can be done. And here we are, fourteen years later. Here we are. Thanks to you two.
9: Well, and thanks to you for having, you know, one it's the power of one really good idea. And and it's it's had a it's had a lot of staying power and Everybody loves it.
1: Hundreds of people participated
0: in it.
9: The the mayor's office loves it. The board of supervisors love it. We have we've have some really long term sponsors like Burton Beckett. Yeah,
0: Burton Beckett. They,
9: they've 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 been sponsoring us since the very beginning. They've been our, you know, some of our most loyal loyal sponsors. So it's it's pretty cool.
0: And and the friends of the library.
9: The friends oh yes. Let's not forget the San Francisco Public Library and the Friends of the San Francisco Public Library. They have also been loyally supporting us for every single year since the beginning and it's pretty awesome it's awesome to have um, to help the library meet their outreach mission to to keep to keep literacy and the the literary arts alive and well and healthy and thriving in san francisco city hall for one day yep
0: yeah and it's really fun to like when we go around city hall and you know knock on the doors of the supervisors and stuff because you know I'm sure a lot of people do that and like they have some sort of grievances or something or they have a problem they want to address or you know they have a concern about something so we walk in and they're like can we help you and we're like we just want to say thanks and we hope you come to our event and we're having the people's poetry and you can come downstairs and they're like Oh, that's great. Yeah,
1: we get a lot of smiles. <laughs> here's an amazing poster, too, which we could give them. Oh, like that's true. The wall. Chad mm-hmm. Xavier, also, for 14
9: wow. years, 14 he's a years. local San Francisco artist and he's he does a volunteer commission for us every year, and it's always super special. Yeah. So, yeah, it's lucky, coming I guess. right up.
0: <laughs> Just lucky, I guess. Right around the corner in, in the
1: 2019. <laughs> wow, I'm making 81. I, Every day, kind of long year.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's know, been kind of an exhausting year.
9: Yeah, there's just been really a lot going on every single day. Hey, I heard y'all are, y'all are going to go to the Howard Zen Book Fest. Oh, That's am. happening on Sunday. Yeah. yeah, I'll be there. Okay. Yeah, it's there's a, cool. There's a lot of I, people going. I usually go. Everybody, you should take a look at the calendar. the 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 calendar of program for the speakers, like I there. There are very few that I don't want to go to. Uh, that's a- going to be hard decision making. And then in the People's Cafe, the performances like there's a puppet show this year. Aside from all the poets and readers, it, it's gonna. It seems like it's just going to be amazing. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, and, and Tongo Ice and Martin is hosting the, the Poets Cafe um, which is going to be a pretty spectacular show
9: oh there's some good people reading Thea Matthews is reading mm-hmm. yeah. and Jeremy Vasquez is going to be there and I saw that um, Aquila Aquila
0: oh yes um, Lewis yes yes
9: I love her so much Aquila's poetry just goes it goes right to the heart and the soul it's so good she's got a real way with the words so yeah it's gonna be so exciting i hope everybody shows up because it'll be good also bring your cash because all of the independent booksellers are gonna be tabling and uh there's gonna be plenty of good stuff to buy and you know if you get hungry don't forget, you know, Ares Mindy Bakery is right across the street and down the block. I love that place. That's it's, true, and it, it's a worker-owned collaborative.
0: That's right. forget. That's right. And so, and uh, actually, the, at the Poets Cafe at the at the Book Fair, I think they're going to be they might be selling food actually oh, I think as so. well. Yeah,
9: there's I think there's concession there as well. Yeah. But you know, while you're in the mission, <laughs> it's great to do the special mission thing.
0: Sure. <laughs> oh, Go get yourself oh, some right. co-op Here we pizza. Are breads oh i love
9: that stuff the pizza (laughs) bread thing like i'm not sure what they actually call it but it's like pizza on bread it's just (laughs) delicious they always sell out it i sometimes i get a little irritated because i'm like oh too late
0: they they know it though (laughs) they absolutely know it
9: Yep. Uh, better get there early mm -hmm. (laughs) and the coffee's so good
0: so uh yeah, the the People's Culture Cafe, I just pulled it up here. So it's gonna be <laughs> I'm running all day at the Howards and Book Fair from ten to six. Um again at City College campus on of the mission campus on Valencia. So um so the, the premise for having the the Poets Cafe Uh, They said, we believe, as James Connolly said, that, quote, until the movement is marked by the joyous, defiant singing of revolutionary songs, it lacks one of the most distinctive marks of a popular revolutionary movement. It is the dogma of a few and not the faith of the multitude. So, so, um, you know, they're adding that aspect to to the howards and book fair to uh to actualize um so much of that that energy um and the the intellect and the interest that has gone into all the different publications and the speakers and everything um that that makes up the howards and book fair so it's pretty exciting
9: yeah Um, it's it's gonna be a good day
0: yeah i mean do you need to hear anything more other than when i say radical puppetry
9: I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's that's going to be really hard because I think that's going on. Okay, there's also, like, one of the sessions that's got a real snappy title, but I really am interested. Um, it's called Today's Fake News is Tomorrow's Fake History. Ooh. If that doesn't give you some goosebumps, it's like, yeah, that's a really good perspective to look at, you know, the the future of what's going to happen to that because we have already plenty of examples in history like the Armenian genocide which Mm -hmm. has been so denied that there are generations of people who don't believe it ever happened yeah despite the evidence news being his becoming the real history despite the evidence right right and so I'm really interested in that particular lecture and it's never really a lecture. It's always like really smart people like talking, and then the audience, audience like participates. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's that's,
0: so good. that's
1: like. So good it's happening too that Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so Sunday, so come on through.
0: Yeah, come on. Hey Val, through. so and what do you have? Well, uh, one so more note on that though. So uh, it's that that particular lecture. Um, is is very uh, timely because there's a new um, I forget what position like a cabinet position in in the White House uh, com- director of communications something like that you know people were rolling through there like like it's a, like it's a roulette game right I know. so this new person that's been hired um, is someone who was uh, let go by Fox. Um, and you know, he, he had actually come under some, um, accusations of sexual harassment. So, you know, he was a real winner. Um, but, and, uh, so was let go by Fox news, but paid a severance package, right? So, but this, the severance package, um, is being paid out in two different parts. So that, so half of it's already paid out and the other half won't be paid out until 2019 so you have someone who's one of the highest level directors of communication from the white house um, will also be receiving basically a salary severance pay from fox from (laughs) while he's working for the white house so there's state that's state uh that's like cuba how you know? is that
9: not conflict of interest?
0: It, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's Berlusconi. It's like, it's... it's. Well, and did y'all see you the know? New York
9: Times headline today about no. how federal employees can be fired for expressing anti-Trump views? That's That was in the news today in the New York Times. Crazy. That's crazy, right? Yeah. Like, it gives me chills to think about that. It's like, what? That's... That's... You know we I thought we thought we were better than that.
0: I think <laughs> we yeah. You know. I'm pretty sure we thought ha- that. Are. <laughs> I I thought that. <laughs> <laughs>
9: there's
0: all sorts there's all sorts of weird shit going on. It's really on.
9: challenging my thinking.
0: Who's going to lot. Yeah. He's
1: got to now he's got to set up a system to fire these people or is he going to sit at his desk and, and people send him little sheets of paper with these names. I don't think so. So it sounds like one of those things that owned good but which is almost impossible to promote most of the civil servants are of course um, increasingly anti-Trump as they are aware that he doesn't have a clue about many things
0: that's clear
1: that he stamps on everything he stomps on everything so I don't think much is going to happen because that's, that's the majority of the civil servants are anti-Trump they do talk together all the time buzz 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 you're not going to stop that I'm afraid it's free speech so I, I hope wish you're
9: right Dave
0: I can wish them not well. Well, take care. <laughs> First semantic, well, folks. He, he did just say that the ocean is small. Did he? Yeah, you know. Huh. Well, he's denying all the climate research. Oh, the ocean yeah. is small. Good. Just in, 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 fake news. <laughs> <laughs> the ocean's actually very, like very large. Like a fake news generator, isn't he? Oh yeah, uh, but he likes to like. It's like he keeps like flipping the script.
9: I mean, isn't the ocean like eighty percent of our planet? It is. Yeah. Roughly, I mean, I'm sorry. I, it's been a long time since I've actually looked at that statistic. Yeah. But I have looked at a map recently, and it, there's a lot of blue on the map, yeah. which we use to represent
0: water. Water. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. So, I think and, it's about eighty yeah. percent. And I don't know why the ocean being small would would mean anything either.
9: Right. Also
0: Well my guess <laughs> to like, what <laughs> to what end? Wouldn't you wouldn't you rather say, well the ocean is big. There's plenty of water, you know? Like if you're trying to like make shit up. <laughs> well,
1: I <think> that, I <laughs> the think ocean's
0: very small. And you're like no. what what? <laughs>
1: He just flew on there. He got in his lie. helicopter. He Good got in the question. U.S. One his plane, and he just flew, he just flew to Buenos Aires, Argentina, which is as far away as you can get in the Western Hemisphere, and going through a lot of ocean. And he got there, and he was, uh, well the ocean is small, he, because it, uh, he got there surprisingly early, fast.
9: Maybe he fell asleep and missed.
1: A That's what happened. Something happened. But I think it comes from that. His trip. Oh, his trip on a special airplane all the way for, to Buenos Aires to the twenty, the big twenty, the big nations that meet together, and Putin is going to be there. And for the last minute, the while he's on the plane, he canceled the, their their meeting. Because of the Ukraine. It gets complicated. I don't need to know all that. But anyway, the ocean is small. And Trump Trump is in Buenos Aires,
0: Argentina. Pretty much as far as you and I would get a long way away. Might be smaller than his head. Uh. (laughs) Sorry. Anyhow. E.K., I see your notebook splayed before you. I
9: do. I I have some... I have some, some fresh poetry for everybody.
1: Wonderful.
9: Um, yeah. Oh, so I'm taking a, a writing workshop with Tongo Martin as my teacher. Because I figure if I get to pick my teacher, I'm going to pick my current favorite poet. Awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. So, And this is, this, is a, this is something that I wrote in class. I've been fiddling with it a little bit since. Um, I'll probably fiddle with it some more before it comes in print. But... But yeah, here's here's what I got for y'all. My tea's gone cold in a red cup whose mouth is a little too wide, but I'll drink it anyway because I'm still trying to focus on gratitude. Even though Thanksgiving's just passed, just a few days ago, and my back is still complaining about the long drive to Arizona, the side trip to LA, the traffic on the five, still mouthing off about my s- sweetheart's stepmother, my feeling about her went cold some time ago. And even though we listened, my sweetheart and I, to every radio station between LA and San Francisco, we didn't hear the news, so I found out at work on Monday that we're tear-gassing refugees as a response to their desire for asylum. But that shouldn't surprise me. Nothing really should, because I heard on the radio tonight that Walmart has threatened to evict the campfire refugees who are staying in the parking lot and harassing them with hired thugs disguised as security guards so I'll be grateful for what I have and finish this cold tea.
0: Uh,
1: That's it. On both ends of this long state. That's what, be, what that was going on.
4: Yeah.
1: Really something to contemplate. But people are standing up, I think. People are joining, people are lending a hand, and here we are. Hmm. From campfire, the, the, to the folks there at the, at the border, my goodness. I wish them all well.
9: Me too. And I was, I, was, I was talking about them to some, the refugees, to some young people today. And, you know, I pointed out that nobody walks a 1,000 miles with their children right. to beg for help from people who have the means to help them unless what was happening to you in the place where you left was so bad that walking a thousand miles is, is better. You know? Like nobody would do that. I mean, who walks a thousand miles for anything but to wow. escape?
1: Now, this is biblical to me. Yeah, what they've done is biblical. Now they're only the first group too. It seems people are coming other places, heading in this direction. Let's welcome them because I know they'll help bring a progressive wave, which is so needed, which is so part of it to this country. Uh, hell yeah! Hey kids, hey kids, we love you. I love you. Take it. Yep. I'll leave myself there. If I wasn't in the shape I am at 81, I would have been in either places. Doing doing the kitchen, helping to feed the people, interacting, intersecting and interrelating, as I've done so, so many times down through history.
0: Well, I know that so much of this, these times and the detention centers and this... Uh, tear gassing, you know, people across the borders or people here in the United States, you know, water protectors and everything. So this time is creating a lot of trauma. Yes. Um, so I actually have a good story to share um, as it relates to people who ha- who have experienced trauma, um, particularly, um, namely, uh, there is a program in New Orleans, um, in the, the New Orleans jail. Um, it's geared towards people who've kind of been, you know, put into the category of having mental health problems, but it's also open to, to some other people as well. Um, so I have a friend down in New Orleans who is a, a musician and a music therapist. Wow. So um, he's been, uh, my friend alone who, um, is married to my friend Tanya. Uh, so he's actually from Israel. Um, she met him when she was living in Israel. She was, she's a doctor. They're a really interesting cr- couple. Um, she's, she's a doctor. So she was going to medical school in Israel. Um, and, uh, she met alone um, and they got together and he moved here and they've got their little family and now she's a doctor down in New Orleans. Um, so, um, alone became part of this program, uh, where they, they bring this music program into the jails. Wow. Um, and so it's, um, yeah, cause I said it's, it's meant primarily, but not exclusively for jailed people with mental illness. Um. Offered through a program, an organization called Wellpath, uh, that runs the medical and mental health services inside the jail. Um, and so my friend Alone has been leading sessions in the Justice Center since February. Um, and he says music therapy helps inmates with mental illness the same way that it would affect any other human. It helps them to vent, to be creative, to channel their energies and have a healthy outlet. Um uh, but it's also helping to try to reduce recidivism. Um, wow, that's great. And so, um, yeah. So, the in addition to music, th- the therapy program, social workers meet with the inmates to help with anger management and drug abuse. Um, and for those people nearing their release dates, discharge planning services are available to help them connect with medical and social services once they leave. Um, so. Uh, there's a, actually this guy who's in jail in New Orleans who's a saxophonist, and he said it's really hard to live without music. And he said the program has motivated him to start planning for his future, and he hopes to get a music degree once he's released. So um, so basically, um, they they listen to a song at the beginning, um, and they talk about the lyrics, and then um, they, they have they like lay down some beats and then in the next session they write lyrics and then um, alone posts these songs on soundcloud Um, orange orange visions voices yeah so let me let me get the name of it here so uh, what's it called so you can find this on soundcloud Um, they just put out this track that they wrote last week called Will the World Ever Know? Let me, let
1: me pull this out here. It's so
9: wonderful
1: we're able to do this. We have all these things we can do which we couldn't do just a few years ago.
9: It's true. We can access a lot of a lot of a lot of information from a lot of people in faraway places and have access to, like, the good that's going on in the world just as much as the difficult.
0: Yeah. So speaking, you know, of the difficult, there's a little... uh, Give me a second. (laughs) 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 We've got some technical things to... Some some mild technical challenges. Some little little hurdles here. Oh, this is... Oh, you know what? I'm not going to be able to play it today. Um, For some reason, my... just not... Not the internet working. Is not cooperating. Well, my <laughs> little, my old little laptop is not really co- cooperating today, um, and my phone wants me to install something, and I'm just not into that kind of thing. <laughs> oh my god, it's like it's so funny. <laughs> anyway, um, if you go to SoundCloud, I'll tell you how to get there. Um, SoundCloud they have hold on wait for it wait for it okay on SoundCloud the account is called Orange Visions voices of OJC again that's Orange Visions voices of OJC so that's that's how you can listen to some of the some of the words coming out of this music program in the jails. So although we may feel um, disheartened by everything going on, um, we've got to look towards ways that we're going to try to help everybody at whatever stage they come out of this.
1: That's right. Just that. They're all in this together. Together. And we have this jive. I see Jive. This is Jive possibly doing it here on Mutiny Radio. Sponsored, of course, by the, I should say, by who?
0: Organic Valley. Family of Farms. Make sure this Another show happens. Co- cooperative, worker-owned, very large, successful business.
1: Very successful. Family of Farms, co-op. And make it, making it happen and keeping making it happen. So Val, it's so good to be here. And the EK. Uh, it's uh, so good to have you here and to be continued we'll see you in a couple weeks
0: alright I'm going to put on put the uh, Howard Zinn disc back on for us um, we'll be back here at Mutiny Radio for Women's Magazine and the Common Thread Collective on December 14th and December 21st. So that's two more opportunities to come and participate and be part of our uh, fun little community family here. Uh, Friday afternoons, December 14th and 21st, 2018, those will be our last two shows of this calendar year. Um, And we're hoping to really get a, a, a good crew in here those couple days, especially on the 21st, which will be the solstice. So we're going to have a solstice show here. So come on down and jam, folks. We love you.
8: It's the nature of bombing. Bombing, no matter what they tell you, no matter all these generals, military experts who get up and they talk about smart bombs. Bombs are, by their nature, very dumb. And bombs, well, you just saw what happened in Afghanistan. One of our smart bombs hit a UN building and killed four UN workers whose job was removing mines from the land in Afghanistan. So what Yusarians said rings true, you know, rings true, you know, even, even today. I mean, there's so many examples of artists who have spoken out either in their art or, or just as citizens. I mean, it's possible to speak out in your art Joseph Heller did it, and Kurt Vonnegut did it in, in Slaughterhouse Five. Uh, again, you know, here's the good war, but Kurt Vonnegut writes about the bombing of Dresden in which perhaps hundred thousand civilians talk about killing innocent people. hundred thousand people die as a result of the British and American bombing raids over Dresden. Now, to write about that and denounce it in nonfiction would have been very, very difficult. Uh, Again, in that glow of the greatest generation in World War II, a glow which they keep keep bringing back to us uh, to make any war that we're going through ennobled by its connection with World War II. But Vonnegut could write fiction about the bombing of Dresden and a fiction, of course, which was was very, very true. During the Vietnam War, artists spoke out in different ways against the war. Robert Lowell, the poet, was invited uh, to the White House and uh, he refused to come. Arthur Miller, the playwright, uh, was invited to the White House and he sent a telegram to the White House. Telegram said, when the guns boom, the arts die. The singer, Eartha Kitt, was invited to the Rose Garden. (laughs) You never been to the Rose Garden of the White House? (laughs) There was a sort of, uh, it was one of those lovely social events uh, taking place during the Vietnam War. And Eartha Kitt, who is just supposed to be a singer, just an artist, not paying any attention to the world, raised her voice and said, why are we in Vietnam? It was shocking. Uh, An artist was not supposed to do that. But artists were doing all sorts of things at that time uh, to show that they were citizens and they were thinking outside the boundaries and that they were transcending the given wisdom. There was an artist named Seymour Chwast who did a poster which was reproduced and reproduced and reproduced all over. It was a very simple poster and just said, War is good for business. Invest your son. There's great music during the, that was brought forth during the Vietnam era by artists who insisted on not just uh, not just being artists and musicians, but who were so moved by what was going on in the world they had to say something. And so uh, Bob Dylan uh, wrote his song "Masters of War." I'll just read a little of it. I'm certainly not gonna sing it. (laughs) Come you masters of war, you that build the big guns, you that build the death planes, you that build all the bombs, you that hide behind walls, you that hide behind desks. I just want you to know I can see through your masks. You that never done nothing but build to destroy, you play with my world like it's your little toy. You put a gun in my hand and you hide from my eyes and you turn and run farther when the fast bullets fly skipping a few stanzas. You've thrown the worst fear that can ever be hurled, fear to bring children into the world. For threatening my baby, unborn and unnamed, you ain't worth the blood that runs in your veins. Let me ask you one question, is your money that good? Will it buy you forgiveness? Do you think that it could? I think you will find when death takes its toll, all the money you made will never buy back your soul. And uh, you get the impression that I'm against war <laughs> uh, and that I think at a time when all the bugles are blowing for war and all the, uh, you know, all the voices on television and the, the government spokesman and the media people are, are not questioning are getting in line and they're not questioning should we do this, they're questioning how should we do this? and. Uh, should we use ground troops, or should we use the airplanes? And the trick in thinking transcendentally is, is to think, what questions aren't they asking? Uh, what are they assuming that we accept? And, and they're burrowing down into the question of, uh, should we do it this way, and should we do it that way? Instead of asking the question, should we be doing this? And of course, I'm, I'm telling you all this at a time when it is, you know, unpopular to speak against the bombing that is now going on. Because all these voices around us are telling us it's the right thing to do, it's the only thing to do. And they're saying that they're rushing from one truth, one undeniable truth to uh, a false conclusion. They're rushing from the undeniable truth that some fanatic group killed 6,000 innocent people in New York and Washington. They're jumping from that undeniable truth to, therefore, we must bomb. And that's where people need to be careful about these jumps that are made, because the first thing is true, and then you have to be very, very careful about where you move from there. Because the next question to ask is, therefore, what shall we do? And not, well, we know what to do, because this is what we've always done. We've always met violence with violence. Well, if you had any sense of history, if you knew some history, you would look at the various instances in which we have met violence with violence and asked, what was the result? Or in which other countries have met violence with violence and asked, what was the result? And it would help to redefine the word terrorism because what happened in New York was an act of terrorism. But to isolate it from the history of terrorism will mislead you very dangerously. And this act of terrorism Exploded in our faces because it was right next door, and they, and we could see these people, and they were, you know, right right here. But the, there have been acts of terrorism going on for a long time all over the world, and the idea of bringing that up is not to diminish what happened, and not to minimize the terror of what happened in New York, but to enlarge our compassion beyond that, otherwise we will never understand what happened and what we must do about it. Uh, Because when you enlarge the question and define terrorism as yes, the ugly killing of innocent people for some presumed political purpose, then you find that all sorts of nations have engaged in terrorism as well as individuals and groups and that there is such a thing as state terrorism, along with individual and group terrorism. And when states commit terrorism, that is when nations commit terrorism, they have far greater means at their disposal for killing people than single individuals or groups. I mean, the United States has been responsible for acts of terrorism. Now, it's uh, difficult to say that. When you say that, people say, oh, you're trying to minimize what was done. No, not trying to minimize, trying to enlarge, trying to broaden our scope, trying to understand. The United States and England have been responsible for the deaths of large numbers of people, of innocent people in the world. You know? And it doesn't take too much history to, to see that, to think of Vietnam to think of laos and cambodia to think of central america to think of 200,000 dead in guatemala as a result of a government that the united states armed and supported i know all this is unsettling we don't want to hear criticism of the united states government when we have been the victims of a terrorist act but we have to think about terrorism in the largest sense and how we are going to stop it and uh and we have to ask the question is bombing going to stop it, or is further terrorism going to stop it, because war is terrorism? Because war in our time inevitably involves the killing of innocent people, and it may not immediately be, you no, can't match the killing of 6,000 people, No, we've only killed a handful of people in Afghanistan, but we've more than matched that at other times. And there are perhaps a million people who have died in Iraq as a result of sanctions that we uh, have enforced and imposed. And it's not a a matter of measuring, oh, they killed more than us, so we killed more than them. We have to see all of these things as terrorist acts that have taken place in the world, and what can we do about it? And decide that you can't respond to one terrorist act with war, because then, you are engaging in the same kind of thing that terrorists engage in. And that is, the the thinking goes like this. Well, yes, innocent people died. Too bad. But it was done for an important purpose. It was collateral damage. You must accept collateral damage when you're doing something very important. That's how terrorists justify what they do. That's how nations justify what they do. Yeah, so I'm asking all of us to transcend what is coming at us on all sides and, uh, and to think carefully and clearly. Because if we are all going to be herded into actions which are more dangerous, more dangerous, than even than what we are facing now, you know. Then we will later regret the fact that we we went all along silently and didn't raise our voices as citizens to ask, how can we get at the roots of this problem? And what can we do about it? And all of us can do something, can speak up. That's the most important thing, ask questions. It's the American thing, it's the patriotic thing to do, to question, to ask, to rethink. I want to end by reading a work of another artist, a poet, Daniel Berrigan, longtime anti-war activist. Uh, Even after the Vietnam War, he continued, uh, uh, continued struggling against war and militarism, and he wrote this poem in memory of a friend of his, a man named Mitchell Snyder, who had worked for the homeless in Washington, D.C., and then at a certain point worked for years and years and years for the homeless and became disconsolate at, at what the government was unable to do, even while the government was building jet planes and bombers and nuclear submarines and, and nuclear missiles, and the government didn't have enough money to take care of the problem of the homeless, and he became disconsolate, and, and he killed himself one day. And, uh, and Van Bergen wrote this In loving memory, Mitchell Snyder. Some stood up once and sat down. Some walked a mile and walked away. Some stood up twice, then sat down. I've had it, they said. Some walked two miles, then walked away. It's too much, they cried. Some stood and stood and stood. They were taken for fools. They were taken for being taken in. Some walked and walked and walked. They walked the earth, they walked the waters, they walked the air. Why do you stand, they were asked, and why do you walk? Because of the children, they said, and because of the heart and because of the bread. Because the cause is the heart's beat and the children born and the risen bread. So, all right. Well, I have never talked about this topic. I won't say I've never talked, but I've never talked about this topic, you know, the art and society. Of course, I've thought about it. My wife is a painter. I have artist friends. Some of my best friends are artists. Some of them are here observing me. but, as I say, yeah, I, I've th- thought about it, of course, all of us have, and, uh, and what comes to mind when I think of the, you know, the relationship of the artist to society, what should be the relationship of the artist to society, and with me it's always a question of what should be and not what is, but I think of the word transcendent, which is a word I've never used in public. But it was the only thing I could come up with to describe uh, what I think about the role of the artist. And by that I mean, you know, not, you know, Immanuel Kant's, well, yes, sort of close to it, but not really (laughs) his idea of what is transcendent, something like it. But the the idea is that the artist transcends the immediate, uh, transcends the here and now the artist, well, transcends the madness of the world, transcends the madness of terrorism, transcends the madness of war. And uh, the artist thinks outside the framework and acts and paints and does music and writes outside the framework that society has, has created. And, and the artist may do s- no more than, and I don't mean to minimize it by saying no more than, the artist may do more than, you know, give us uh, beauty and laughter, uh, passion, surprise, drama. And that's, that's good. <laughs> uh, that is, the artist needn't apologize for just doing that because in doing that, the, the artist is telling us what the world should be like, even if it isn't that way now. And the artist is, is taking us away from the moments of horror that we experience every day in this world, some days more than others, and, and showing us something else, showing us what is possible. There's no need for an artist to apologize about just giving us something that is passionate and beautiful and funny, or any of those. No need to apologize for that. Yeah. But, <laughs> there is more. As the artist can do more, yes, should, should do more. Not only that, but more. Because the artist is also a citizen, the artist is a human being. I mean, I face that in a different way, in that uh, if I'm if I can be classified, well, yeah, the, the society classifies me. I say I'm a historian. <laughs> that scares me <laughs> to be classified. I'm a historian. You say, but I don't want to be just a historian. And but the, the society uh, disciplines us. <laughs> it puts us into a discipline. You're a historian. You're a businessman, you're an engineer, you're a this, you're a that. And the first thing somebody asks you at a cocktail party is, what do you do? (laughs) Which means, uh, you know, what, what is your profession? What is your, you know, how are you categorized? And the problem is that people begin to think that that's what they are, and that's all they are, that they're professionals in something. And you hear the word professionalism being used, and people say, "You've got to be professional." Whenever I hear the word, I get a little scared, because uh, that limits human beings to working within the limits set by this you know, profession. As a historian, I, I would face this, and there would be during the Vietnam War there would be meetings of of historians. Uh, Can you imagine what a wonderful feeling that is to be among 2,000 historians at a meeting? (laughs) Uh, And uh, and I remember during the Vietnam War, this question was at one of our great meetings of historians, the war was raging in Southeast Asia. And the question was, should historians take a stand on the war? And it was a big debate on this. Really, it was a big debate on this. And uh, some of us, you know, introduced a resolution saying, you know, we historians think the United States should get out of Vietnam, a simple little thing. And then there were others who said, no, uh, it's not, it's not that we don't think the United States should stay in Vietnam, it's not that at all, it's just that we're historians. It's not our business. Hey, whose business is it? So the historian says it's not my business, and the businessman says it's not my business, and the lawyer says it's not my business, and you know the artist says it's not my business, and whose business is it? You mean we're going to leave the business of the most important issues in the world to the people who run the country? I mean, how stupid can you be? I mean, haven't we had enough experience, historically, with leaving the important decisions to the people in the White House, or the people in Congress, or the people in the Supreme Court, or the people who dominate the economy? We've had lots of experience leaving the important decisions to them because the citizen doesn't know he's a citizen. He thinks he's only a doctor, or a lawyer, or a historian, or an artist, or whatever. But back in the 18th century, Rousseau said, "You know, I see all sorts of people who are doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that, but where are the citizens among us? You know, Everybody, everybody must be involved. There are no experts. Well, there are, I remember during the Vietnam War, I keep going back because that's, you know. There are certain historical moments when learning is more intense than at any other period. I mean, this is one of those moments too, right now, after September 11th. But Vietnam was one of those moments when learning is compressed uh, into a short span of time and place. And one of the things we learned about during those years was about experts. And about when the war started, and people would ask questions, Why are we there? <laughs> I said, Well, listen to the experts. The experts would get on television and tell us why we're there. And I remember the British actor, an artist, right? Actors are artists. Uh, the British actor, Peter Ustinov, spoke out against the war in Vietnam. And then somebody said, Ustinov, he's an actor. <laughs> he's not an expert. And the snuff replied, there are experts in little things, but there are no experts in big things. There are experts in this fact and that fact and that fact, but there are no moral experts. Yeah. It's important to remember that, that all of us, whatever we do, have the right to make moral decisions about the world and undeterred by the cries that will come up, oh, you, you don't know, you're not an expert. These people up there, they know. Well, it takes only a little bit of history to realize how dangerous it is to think that the people who run the country know what they're doing. So the word transcendent comes to mind when I think of the role of the artist in dealing with the issues of the day. And and I use the word transcendent to suggest that the role of the artist is to transcend the given wisdom, to transcend the word of the establishment, to transcend the orthodoxy, to transcend Uh, to go beyond to escape uh, what is handed down by the government or what is said in the press or what is said on television Uh, because there are people in the arts and people in in other professions uh, who think uh, well uh, yes let's get involved but let's get involved in the way we are told to be involved and then you will see the artists and the, and the other people and professions uh, getting in line in the way that uh, uh, people are expected to get in line when the president says, this is what we must do. And all, everybody else in politics echoes that, and this is we, what we must do. And, uh, and, and you've, we've seen this all around now. I mean, how many times have I read in the press since September 11th, well, we must be united. Now, what do they mean by that? I would like us to be united, but united around what? And when people say we must be united, most of the time when they say this, they are saying either explicitly or implicitly, we must be united around whatever the president tells us to do. Dan Rather, right, TV anchor, anchored to the establishment. Uh, Isn't that what an anchor man is? Uh, And Dan Rather gets up on national television and says, Bush is my president. When he says get in line, I get in line. Did any of you read that? Yes, he said it. I mean, I, I make up some things. <laughs> but I didn't make that up, you see. And I thought, here is, here is a, a very important influential journalist and he has forgotten the first rule of journalism, which is think for yourself. He's forgotten what that great journalist, I.F. Stone, that. that the, uh, really, probably you know, one of the several greatest journalists of the 20th century. What I. F. Stone used to say when you know, he stopped working for the, for the major media, he, would, he, he was working for regular newspapers, and then he realized he couldn't be himself, he couldn't say what he wanted to do, and so he, he established his own little newsletter, I. F. Stone's Weekly, which became famous for giving you things that you couldn't get anywhere else. And then I.F. Stone would be invited to speak to classes of journalism students. And he would say, I'm going to tell you a number of things, but you really only have to remember if you really want to be a good journalist. You really only have to remember two words. Governments lie. (laughs) Very important to remember. Governments lie. I mean, not just the American government. Governments in general lie. Uh, And when I say all governments lie, that may sound like an anarchist statement. The anarchists have something there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they're right to be skeptical and suspicious of people who hold governmental power because the tendency of people who hold governmental power is to lie in order to maintain that power and rather when he said that, the president says, get in line, I get in line. He uh, violated that, you know, Hippocratic Oath of journalists that is implied in the profession of journalism of think for yourself. The kind of statement you would expect from a journalist in a totalitarian state, not somebody living in a democracy. And then talking about getting in line, And then you have Al Gore who accepted his defeat graciously, so graciously that he became humble, overwhelmingly humble, (laughs) so that when all of this happened, uh, Gore announced, Bush is my Commander-in-Chief. I thought, I don't think he's read the Constitution. (laughs) The Constitution says that the President is the Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces. (laughs) He's not the Commander-in-Chief of the country, of all of us, you see. but well, here are all these people rushing to get in line, rushing to, to get inside the perimeter no. you know, of power. No. And it's the job of the artist to transcend that, to think outside the boundaries, to dare to say things that no one else will say. And uh, f- fortunately, we've, we've had, uh, all through history, artists who, who dared dared to do that. Well, I think of Mark Twain. And here he was writing these, these great novels which everybody loved. The story is a wonderful, wonderful storyteller. But when the United States went to war in 1898 against Spain, and then after a quick defeat of Spain, it was called a splendid little war. Uh, the United States went to war in the Philippines. That was not a splendid little war. That was a long and ugly war to subdue the Filipinos who wanted to run the Philippines themselves. Uh, A war which in its atrocities uh, foretold the war in Vietnam. And Mark Twain became uh, one of the voices speaking out against that war. And when Theodore Roosevelt in 1906, and by then the, the war had been going on for five years, and there were several hundred thousand Filipinos dead. Well, you will not find much in your history books about how many Filipinos died in that war. But in 1906, the US Army committed a massacre in the Philippines, you might call it an act of terrorism, that is in the sense that innocent people were simply mowed down by an army unit. And and Theodore Roosevelt sent a message of congratulations to the general who carried out the operation against these these Moros, these Muslims in the southern Philippines who were virtually unarmed, who didn't know anything about modern warfare, men, women, children, just all mowed down every single one of them. And, and after Roosevelt congratulated the general for this great military victory, uh, Mark Twain denounced Roosevelt uh, for this and became one of the leadings, leading protesters against the war in the Philippines. Uh, he stepped out of his role as a, just a storyteller whom everybody loved and got into the fray and dared to say things that so many people in the country were not saying. And of course, people then questioned his patriotism. Because as soon as you speak outside the boundaries, as soon as you say things uh, that are different than what the establishment is telling you to say, what the newspapers, what the media, what everybody, including leading intellectuals, are telling you to say, you know, as soon as you do that, the question of your patriotism arises. And uh, Mark Twain said about patriotism, and about loyalty, because people ask him, why aren't you loyal? He said, my kind of loyalty was loyalty to one's country, not to its institutions or its office holders. The country is a real thing, the substantial thing, the eternal thing. It is a thing to watch over and care for and be loyal to. Its institutions are extraneous. They are its mere clothing, and clothing can wear out, become ragged, Cease to be comfortable. Cease to protect the body from winter, disease, and death. To be loyal to rags, to shout for rags, to worship rags, to die for rags, that is a loyalty of unreason. This is important because in the present discussion, boundaries have been set, lines have been drawn, and people who go outside those boundaries and dare to criticize uh, official policy uh, are called unpatriotic, you know, and disloyal. When they say that, when they accuse dissenters of that, they have forgotten the meaning of loyalty and the meaning of patriotism. Yeah. Patriotism does not mean support for your government. Patriotism means support for your country, as Mark Twain said. Or as Emma Goldman said, Well, roughly around the same time, Emma Goldman, the feminist anarchist, said, uh, she gave a lecture on patriotism, uh, and she said, I love the country, uh, but I don't love the government. And uh, to criticize the government when you think the government is wrong is the highest act of patriotism. And when somebody accuses you I don't know if you will all face that situation. But if somebody accuses you of not being patriotic because you don't go along with whatever the government is doing, I think you ought to remind them about the Declaration of Independence. and that, According to the Declaration of Independence, and everybody praises the Declaration of Independence when it's hung up on a classroom wall but not when people read it and understand that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. During the Vietnam War, a soldier was disciplined for putting up the Declaration of Independence on his barracks wall. But the Declaration of Independence says that governments are artificial creations. They're set up by people, by the people of the country. Governments are set up by the people of the country to achieve certain things, certain objectives, the equality of all people in their right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes, yeah, governments are artificial creations set up for those purposes, and when a government becomes destructive of those ends, as the Declaration said, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. That's serious, but that, that is democratic doctrine. That is the idea of democracy. <coughs> And therefore, there are times when it becomes absolutely patriotic to point a finger at the government and say, the government is not doing what it should be doing to safeguard the right of people to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I don't think it would be wrong in our time, with everybody talking, oh, this is one world, globalization, Yes, the world has shrunk. We're all part of the same planet. I mean, they talk that way, but do they mean it? You know. You could test out whether they mean it by suggesting that the words of the Declaration of Independence, the right to life, liberty, and property, apply not only to people in this country, but to people in other countries, to people everywhere. People everywhere in the world have the same right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so, when the government becomes destructive of that, well, then it is patriotic to criticize, to oppose the government, to, to become a dissenter, to do what we always praised when it was done in other countries, in totalitarian countries, and we, we uh, looked upon the dissenters and the critics of those governments as, as heroes for daring to speak out. I wanted to. Point to some other artists who spoke out against war. E. E. Cummings. I sing of Olaf, glad and big, whose warmest heart recoiled at war, a conscientious or. But though all kinds of officers A yearning nation's blue-eyed pride, their passive prey did kick and curse, until for wear, their clarion voices and boots were much the worse, and egged the first-class privates on his rectum wickedly to tease by means of skillfully applied bayonets roasted hot with heat, Olaf, upon what were once knees, does almost ceaselessly repeat, there is some shit I will not eat. Mm. And Eugene O'Neill, the great playwright, and this was six months after Pearl Harbor. This is important because you know, E Cummings was reacting to World War I and other writers were reacting to World War I. Because uh, of that great martial spirit that was summoned up in 1917 when they were, <coughs> getting the United States into war and, and when uh, they were marshaling people into line and, and the flag was being waved and then the war was over and people looked at the 10 million dead on the battlefields of Europe and asked, what was this all about? And then the, the disillusionment began to arise. Uh, people began to think again. Because after that first wave of flag waving and bugles blowing and let's this we've got to do this and look at the terrible things they did and look at the and yes and terrible things were being done and so therefore we have to do terrible things that's war war is terrible things done on one side and terrible things done on the other side and then after a while the the second thoughts come. Uh, There are all these people dead, and what did we accomplish? What have we done? That's what happened after World War I. That's what led to the writings of John Dos Passos and Ernest Hemingway and Ford, Maddox Ford, and that great novel, that great anti-war novel by Dalton Trumbo, uh, Johnny Got His Gun, which I recommend to all of you. You can read it in one evening and uh, you won't forget it. Uh, but it's good to remember that. Even when the war is presumably a good war, because wars always look good at the beginning. They always look good at the beginning to a lot of people. Because this, this rush of, of fervor based on something terrible that has been done and something that must be done in retaliation. And then only later does the... the Thinking began and the questioning began. Eugene O'Neill was writing six months after Pearl Harbor. And writing when the country was being mobilized for war. And this is, remember, this is the Good War. You know there are good wars and bad wars. Uh, I used to think so, until I was in a war. (laughs) And I thought, no, there are no such thing as good wars and bad wars. I had a student once who wrote on her paper, wars are like wines. They're good years and bad years, good wars and bad years. But she said, war is not like wine, war is like cyanide. One drop and you're dead. But Eugene O'Neill is writing in the midst of the, that early burst of war fervor after Pearl Harbor. So not an easy time to write this, but he, he wrote this to his son. It is like acid always burning in my brain that the stupid butchering of the last war taught men nothing at all, that they sank back listlessly on the warm manure pile of the dead and went to sleep, indifferently bestowing custody of their future, their fate into the hands of state departments, whose members are trained to be conspirators, card sharps, double-crossers, and secret betrayers of their own people, into the hands of greedy capitalist ruling classes so stupid they could not even see when their own greed began devouring itself. In the hands of that most debased type of pimp, the politician, and that most craven of all lice and job worshippers, the bureaucrats. Well, I mean, I would never use such strong language myself. <laughs> but I'm willing to quote it when somebody else says it. When I talk about thinking outside the boundaries, I'm thinking that one of the boundaries set for us uh, is the idea of national power, of our national power, and of our national uh, goodness that we are the superpower in the world and we deserve to be the superpower because we're the best and the greatest and we have the most democracy and the most freedom. And that's why terrible things are done to us uh, because we are the best. That's kind of arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> and that also is a sign of the loss of history. And we need to be taken down a peg and, taken down to the level of other nations in the world and other peoples of the world. And you you need some history to be able to come down to earth and to see that the United States has behaved in the world like other imperial nations in the world. It's not surprising. We have to be honest about our country, if we're gonna be anything, if it's anything an artist should be, if it's anything a citizen should be, is to be honest, to be able to look at yourself, to look at your country as honestly and as clearly as you look at what people do elsewhere. And just as you can examine the terrible things that people do elsewhere, you have to be willing to examine the terrible things that were done here and done by our government. Langston Hughes. And some of you may know his work. Great African American poet Langston Hughes wrote a poem called Columbia. Columbia meant for him this country, the United States. You know, as Columbia has, you know, Columbus, Columbia, and that's us. He was addressing Columbia. He said, My dear girl. You really haven't been a virgin so long. It's ludicrous to keep up the pretext. You're terribly involved in world assignations and everybody knows it. You've slept with all the big powers in military uniforms and you've taken the sweet life of all the little brown fellows in loincloths and cotton trousers. When they've resisted, you've yelled rape. Being one of the world's big vampires, why don't you come on out and say so, like Japan and England and France and all the other nymphomaniacs of power? <laughs> <sighs> but it's very hard when you're. Not-
11: The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian hate ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to two. The title says it all. Classic vinyl albums with no apologies. Great stuff. You can listen in live to these fine programs on MutinyRadio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal. Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat.
6: Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever wanna be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit! From time to time, I've been giving it a thought or two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two people's paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop, Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m.s at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo!
12: Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are you on a raft without a pattern? the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat.
13: <laughs> For all your Space Chicken sci fi comedy non political humor needs, go to Tim's Tesseract.com.
14: Me and It's a great place to listen to crazy things.
10: But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh, en vieux, touche, save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How exciting for you, Mutiny Radio listener. There are six new shows here at MutinyRadio.fm. Monday nights at 10 o'clock, it's time for free phone sex, 415-550-0511, yes, call in for free phone sex, you will be recorded, it is a podcast, but will that phone sex be free? Absolutely. 10 a.m., Mondays, it's time for Everyday Conversations on Race with Everyday People, with Sima Lieberman, Everyday People, talking about race every week different everyday people talking about race on Tuesdays 10 o'clock it's spiritual psychology with Renee McKenna meditate it'll heal you. then at noon stick around Sergio Novoa brings you my limited view talking about all things from his perspective then on Thursdays from 8 to 10 It's time for Beyond Your Comprehension with Clem. Exciting new shows here at Mutiny Radio. Also, the IC podcast. That's the. apply now for the mutiny radio comedy festival 2019 applications open until november 30th for 25 shows in five days 40 comics chosen march 1st through 5th 2019 for the mutiny radio comedy festival it's our fourth annual and we hope you apply
11: The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian hate ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to two. The title says it all. Classic vinyl albums with no apologies. Great stuff. You can listen in live to these fine programs on MutinyRadio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal. Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat.
6: Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo!
12: Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are you on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around, me sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship. I ain't scurvy shit (laughs)
6: McRat
13: For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6 Ask a Jedi for important life hacks Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton contessa and check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Tim's Tesseract.com. Tim's Tesseract.com.
14: Everybody should listen to Muni Radio at MuniRadio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things.
5: All right, has everyone been to the bathroom tonight? Mm -hmm. And why are you all jiggling? All right, the people are going to come in in five minutes. I want you to go right out and bring them very courteously to their seats, lock them to their seats, and then go directly back out and get the next batch. I don't want you stopping to go fix your makeup, to go make phone calls, to buy